Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, kids. Welcome to Just a Game. I would be your host, Rob Kerr. You would be you. Welcome in. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, I feel like I haven't been. Well, I did a show last Friday, but then it was a long weekend, and now this. And, you know, I was gone for a couple, so it's nice to be back. Uh, not quite the regular routine. We will uh, return to three days a week uh, starting October 4th with the first Wednesday show of the new season. Uh, but until then, Mondays and Fridays, we got you. We're back on Monday, back next Friday. Um, lots to talk about today, uh, coming up a little later on in the program, Adam Seaborn will join us. Adam, of course, our sports business analyst, sports media analyst, a lot to talk about a huge announcement by the CRTC this week that is going to impact the way you view sports. So we'll get into that. Um, also some, uh, Adam has identified some pretty huge trends as we get going here, uh, into the fall. Uh, and it is the fall. I mean, well, technically not. That, that's a, little, a week or two, but uh, it's beginning to be a little cooler. Uh, but we are now officially into the NFL season. Last night, uh, we saw the Detroit Lions winning on the road against Kansas City. Uh, so the NFL season's underway. CFL is now post-Labor Day. The Stamps up in Edmonton on uh, on Saturday. Good opportunity for Calgary to put some breathing room between themselves and the Eskimos. Um, or the Eskimos to reel the stamps back in. However, um, playoff positioning is is beginning to kind of perhaps uh, drift away from both clubs. So a big game nonetheless. The Jays find themselves back close to occupying a playoff spot, if not occupying the third and final uh, wild card spot. So just a couple weeks left in that season. And of course, the National Hockey League. Uh, the Flames will begin rookie camp, I believe, next week. Uh, Penticton, I think, is a week from today or, or the weekend Young Stars Tournament main camp right after that. Uh, suffice to say, we are closing in on a month away from the start of the regular season. So as kids go back to school, as kids start playing hockey again, as they start playing basketball again, as we start into our uh, routines of the fall and winter, uh, a lot to cover, a lot to talk about today. Um Want to touch on a couple things. Uh, last week when we spoke, which was uh, on Friday, by the way, uh, this is a, an inclusive podcast. Everybody's welcome here. Um, and we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 territory. And I mentioned that the uh, Calgary Hitmen opened up their uh, Western Hockey League preseason schedule out at uh, at Siksika tonight. 
So out in Gleeson at the Deerfoot Sportsplex. So that has become somewhat of a tradition that I think is really cool. Um, as well, um, had the opportunity last week with Mike Civic uh, to march in the Pride Parade representing the Flames alumni, um, which I thought was really, really cool too. So a, a lot going on, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, just lots to be around and a lots to talk about. Um, when we spoke last, this is where I was going. When we spoke last, we were talking about Bill Peters and and his hiring by um, the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Western Hockey League. And um, there was 48 hours, maybe 72 hours of, of, you know, concern and stories and, and back and forth. And, and then we came back on the scene, um, you know, a little late to the table, but still had some thoughts on it. I, again, I don't, I don't think anything has changed. Uh, I don't think anything, uh, anybody's opinion has moved. Um, you know, life is, life goes on. Teams are having training camp. Um, I think the, the, the reality is Bill Peters and the Western Hockey League and everybody involved knew that they had to take some lumps for a couple of days and then it would all go away and, and everybody would forget about it until something happens or something else comes up or whatever. With that kind of as a backdrop, interesting that today, Two separate things are happening in the hockey world that, if you think about it, are, are rather related. Um, hockey has, in this country particularly, has taken some uh, some lumps and some black eyes just for its tone deafness, its uh, inability to act, its its institutionalism. Um, you know, it, it started somewhat early last night and then again this morning, questions being raised to the National Hockey League about the ongoing investigation of the 2018 World uh, Junior Team. And there's no update on that. But two different events are taking place at the same time and deserve uh, to be viewed and, and scrutinized and, and, and asked, you know, what, what, they're, what they're doing, what the value is. Is there value here? Um, in Chicago, the uh, NHL is holding a general manager's coaches meeting. I don't remember this before but maybe there has been but what was interesting about this and mark lazarus who covers the uh the chicago blackhawks uh for the athletic brought this up um joel quinville and stan bowman are both at this event put on by the national hockey league both gentlemen uh because of the the situation um that the blackhawks found themselves in uh, the terrible situation the Blackhawks found themselves in. Uh, both gentlemen have been uh, taken away from hockey, uh, are not allowed to come back to the National Hockey League at this point. They spoke to the general managers and the uh, coaches. Uh, Gary Bettman, speaking to Mark Lazarus, um, was asked specifically what the two talked about. And I thought, well, I thought Bettman's answer was not surprising. I still have to make a judgment as to when or whether it's appropriate for them to be reinstated. So that's not a question I'm prepared to answer right now. Um, but he did, did mention that both were there voluntarily and to share their experiences. It, it strikes me as the National Hockey League is building a path to return for both individuals. And part of their comeuppance is that they have to stand in front of their peers and, and tell why they were bad and naughty. I shouldn't make light of it. It's not a funny situation, but it, it does strike me as, okay, this is what, you know, the National Hockey League is going to ask of these two gentlemen. Here in Calgary, uh, Hockey Canada, who has uh, bore 
quite the brunt of, of criticism and responsibility for a lot of issues uh, that have come up in sport and in hockey in the last number of years. A part of, uh, they have a new president and, and a board, which is only their current board is, I believe, limited to one year term. Um, they have a, an event today called the uh, Beyond the Board Summit. It's actually today and tomorrow. It is up at, um, at Winsport. Uh, the agenda has been available for a couple of weeks. Um, Sheldon Kennedy is one of the speakers. Uh, you know, there's there's some fairly significant people at that event. Uh, I did have the opportunity to speak to somebody on the board. Uh, this is the start of a series of these summits. Uh, that there will be other topics. Uh, toxic masculinity is the uh, the main thrust of of the next two days at Hockey Canada. Um, I've also heard from people inside the sport at the grassroots level that don't know anything about it. We're not invited to be there. Um, this seems to be for sponsors and media, um, which begs the question is, okay, is this an opportunity for Hockey Canada to win back its sponsors and the people that have been funding it, or are they tr you know, truly making change? I, I think the people that they brought on board would truly like to make change. I just don't know if the institution of hockey is prepared to make that change. So both of these things going on at the same day is, is, is fascinating to me that it's a sport that is grappling with who and what and where it fits. I said this last week about Bill Peters. The problem with the Bill Peters situation, the problem with the situation, the NHL and the problem that hockey Canada find themselves in is that there are many on the one side, on the hockey side, that think this is all made up, that think this is the media and the and some fanatic fans or public trying to hold them, you know, hostage, and they really don't know what's going on. And there's a little blame the victim, and there's a little of this, and there's a little of that. That that kind of thinking still plagues the sport. Sorry, it just does. I think there are plenty of people that want to make true change. I I have yet to see this sport want to make true change. The sport does a really good job of talking about making true change, but the sport, I don't think, has really done enough to make change. Um, you know, and, and this, this is a snarky comment, but it's, it's how I, and I know a lot of people feel about this. This was a great opportunity to print off really fancy uh, folders with embossed logos on them. And everybody can get a, a, you know, a really nice set of pens and we'll have really nice paper and we'll have drinks of, you know, and coffee and, and, and that, but at the end of the day, what's really going to be accomplished? I don't know. And I hope I am wrong. I, I hope that these, both of these events lead to financial change, but I would suggest to you right now that uh, hockey is kind of trying to find its way in this world and where it fits. And unless it's prepared to make true change, unless it's truly prepared to look upon itself and ask hard questions, I don't know. This just in many ways kind of feels like, you know, one exercise is to try and rehab the, the, uh, the, the reputations of Joel Quinville and Stan Bowman. And on the other half, I hope that this is more than Hockey Canada just trying to show that its potential sponsors and current sponsors that it's it's changing its ways. It, it it has to lead to substantive change. One last bitchy thing, and then we'll get to our guest. And my bitchy thing is about the Heritage Classic. 
Um, it's coming up, I believe it's Sunday, October 29th, up in Edmonton, which was the host of the first Heritage Classic. Um, I have long been a proponent and a fan of the outdoor game. I think outdoor games are awesome. I think outdoor games are celebrations. I think outdoor games help to grow the sport and it needs to grow north of the border. I don't care what anybody says. We have to be selling the sport and growing the sport north of the border. What disappoints me here and why I now I'm beginning to fall into the other camp is it's a NHL game and that's it. No alumni game, no Western League game, no U Sports game, no women's game, no kids games, hell, no media game. It's just a straight hockey game. Um, and there's, there's Connor McDavid. And this is really feeling like we better get Connor McDavid an outdoor game. Now I think he's already played in one, but this is an outdoor game at home. Um, it's really disappointing to me that the, the national hockey league. And I, I, I truly believe this is the league. I don't think this is the teams at all. I might be, I could be proven wrong, but I think the, the league particularly, um, concerns itself with ice conditions and, and all of those sort of things, because it gets criticized when the conditions aren't great. Um, it really does. Um, but I think this is one of those circumstances where they, they've dropped the ball. I think just having a straight, it's now it's just another hockey game. This one's outdoors. There's no, no feel to it. Um, the heritage classic in Regina had a Western league game attached to it. It was a two day thing there. You know, it was, a, it was a festival. And I'm sure there's going to be festival elements and I'm sure there's going to be lots of people there. And I, I'm sure Oiler fans and Flames fans will dig the game and everything like that. But it just seems like a missed opportunity to not grow the game. Um, and, and again, as someone who has defended outdoor games constantly, to me, it was always about, you know, being able to build on it. But it needed to be more about the community and it needed to be more about the sport. This one just feels like we, boy, we ought to get uh, Connor McDavid a home home outdoor game before he, he moves on. And I'm not saying he's going anywhere. Don't, whatever you do, don't interpret that. All right. That's my bitchiness. That's my snarkiness. That's me just, again, holding hockey accountable. Good Lord knows it can be better. All right. Uh, our first guest, our only guest today, because he's the only one we need, is brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com, 77 years in Calgary. Three locations open right now. McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's at the bottom by Windsports. So open right now. Get in there. Check them out. Online as well, but it's the service that's going to make the difference here. These are people that are serving you are also up in the mountains using the same equipment that you're going to buy. So you're you're getting it from the people who use it, and there is value in that. Uh, SkiSellerSnowboard.com. Uh, very excited that our next guest can make some time for us, as he always has. He is a sports media analyst and also the head of partnerships at Playmaker Capital. He's our friend. He's our pal. Adam Seaborn joins us today. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing, Rob? I am really good. Um, boy, you um, you really set the table on Tuesday with a couple of really important tweets. So I want to jump right in on both of them. And I kind of uh, promoted your your segment with, you know, a very significant story in Canada uh, that's going to affect the way people watch things and, and particularly the watch sports. And that is the CRTC decision on on Tuesday. Can you just run us through 
what it means now that, that they've taken the shackles off the the advertisement per hour limit? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for having me on again, Rob. It's good to chat. So this is an interesting development, I would say. Um, I mean, people know the CRTC is the regulatory body that, I mean, their mandate is a combination of regulating the radio television communications, uh, hence the CRTC name, business, and also protecting consumers. Protecting consumers is a big part of their mandate, making sure, you know, advertisement on television or radio is, you know, abiding by rules and regulations and the Canadians are not being kind of, you know, uh, victim of predatory type advertising. Um, CRTC is responsible for things like 10, 15 years ago, companies like Verizon wanted to come into Canada and buy up a bunch of bandwidth and buy a bunch of TV stations and networks. They stopped that because CRTC mandates that you need to be a Canadian company to operate that kind of stuff. One of the stipulations, and there's all kinds of really specific rules around what you can and can't say on radio and television in Canada. Rob, you know, working in you know, yep. traditional media for a long time. Um, and your listeners will know, you know, when you listen to the radio station and you hear uh, the call sign and the call letters, you know, that's a mandated thing. A CRTC yep. says that you need to say that at a certain amount of times. One of the big mandated items they had was with, with respect to cable television. In Canada, it's, it's usually called specialty TV in the regulation, but for all intents and purposes, cable, think TSN, History Channel, um, is advertising limits per hour. Uh, so typically or historically, um, the rule was 12 minutes per hour clock of advertising time. Um, so, you know, usually television sold in 30 second chunks. So think mm -hmm. of it as 24, 30 second advertisements, uh, per, per hour. That's what you would get on TV. Uh, Quebec or, uh, which owns TVA, uh, came to the CRTC, uh, essentially requesting, uh, that we remove that limit. Uh, it's, you know, a, uh, limits their ability to compete with streaming services was their argument. Uh, there's no regulatory kind of framework for YouTube or for Netflix or for anyone else. Um, and we believe that like when it comes to paid cable, this is not broadcast and so not CBC, not CTV, stuff like that, but paid cable channels, we should be able to advertise, you know, any limit that we want. We want to remove that limit. Uh, and Bell and um, not Rogers, but Bell and Chorus also uh, submitted uh, kind of support for Quebecor's uh, request and said, yes, we would, you know, hundred percent agree with this request and we would like to, you know, kind of endorse it. And the CRTC effective immediately as of Tuesday uh, ruled in favor of Quebecor said, you know what? Uh, we agree with you. You should be able to uh, advertise as much as you like. So the broadcasting act will be slightly amended uh, to mm -hmm. reflect that. And it means that uh, you will be able to advertise more than 12 minutes per, per half hour. How that's going to change viewership for, for us is, is interesting, right? So the removal of the limit doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to all of a sudden have a, a huge ad load on TV. But it does provide flexibility to the, for the broadcasters in terms of how they look at ad loads. And frankly, you know, it just opens up a bunch more inventory for them, right? Imagine yep. you're in a business and you only had a finite amount of inventory to sell. You're an airline. You only have 100 seats on the plane. We just added a bunch more seats that you're allowed to sell. Uh, you've added more minutes to sell. And, you know, no doubt programming at all those networks are working on where can we find more advertising time. Uh, you might not notice it as a consumer, uh, but in the ad market, all the ad agencies and in the broadcast world, it, it's a big story. And it's yeah. uh, definitely, you know, a, a change that I don't think people were expecting. I was kind of surprised when Quebec or uh, made the request. It seems somewhat frivolous. I, I, I don't think the connection between what the streaming services do, do and the way advertising per hour is mandated on TV. I, I don't really buy that connection, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and here we are. So, so it's an interesting change, uh, and we'll see how it feels, you know, as we move into the fall programming here. Well, and I'm glad you said that piece at the end, because that was my next, my, was my follow-up question. So explain to me what they're talking about, because 
as I read it, and, and you made a really good example, which is if you look at TSN and Sportsnet right now, they have a lot of those highlight programs, right? That are 30, 30 minute blocks. Now you can make those 60 minute blocks by doing that. You know, it's not real math, but you almost need half the content that you currently have, which again, you know, we constantly talk about the lack of content. It, it I, I just don't see how the consumer comes out on the better end of this. Well, well, I, I'll make the argument that okay. uh, the broadcasters will say, "Listen, we are. It's a new world. The broadcasting act is outdated," which is very true. I sure. think there's a lot of tr- yep. problems with the broadcasting act. Yep. Um, and this is, you know, we're going to provide us with more flexibility <clears throat> in how we schedule programming, and we'll be able to provide, you know more flexible ad loads depending on demand the same way that you know youtube or google or facebook and meta kind of ingest demand for advertising and then distribute that demand Mm -hmm. across their platform so they would make that argument and say this is just a a step in the right direction of modernizing the way that we broadcast things i mean the reality is exactly what i mentioned people who aren't on twitter i guess we're calling it x now um (laughs) yeah you know right now it's it's i'm in i'm in toronto i'm in eastern time it's 320 if you turn on tsn or you turn on Sportsnet. I think Sportsnet on every channel was was playing uh, an equestrian competition of some kind earlier yep. today. Yep. Um, you know, you'll often see plays of the week, top fifty CFL plays of all time, highlight shows. These are packaged shows that, frankly, are not revenue drivers for the channel, right? So you have a channel. Part of your obligation as having a broadcast channel is you need to program it. You mm-hmm. need to program it with a certain amount of uh, Canadian content per hour and per day as well. So those highlight shows very neatly hit a they're low cost you already have all the highlights they hit your CanCon requirements um and they just run during the day when frankly not that many people are watching and then you sell really cheap advertising time against it what you've done now is create an opportunity where you can just pile in a little bit more of that cheap advertising time midday right uh and as as i mentioned like that half hour uh highlight show can be an hour highlight show with twice the ads i i wouldn't be surprised if we see that i wouldn't be surprised if the show that used to be 50 plays of the week that took an hour takes two hours. What about sports programming? What about intermissions? What about, you know, half times and things like that? Do uh, you know, and, and I would use Sportsnet as an example, when they started with their NHL package, they had all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, panelists and, and segments and things like that. And now they're down to usually two talking heads, you know, and, and some highlights, is it possible that they may take advantage of this and just start piling ads into, into period intermissions? Yeah, I think pre and post game for sure. Um, there is some flexibility in the broadcast act for, for live events. So sports and news already had a kind of carve out there. So there's people who might be saying 12 minutes per hour. I could have sworn I saw more than 12 minutes of advertising per hour when I was watching, you know, CP 24, when I was watching, um, you know, Sportsnet recently, there was already a carve out where they were allowed to flex, uh, depending on when they were covering something that's live. So sports and news. Yep. So I think we might have more advertising in game. I think that's true. Uh, you know, you look at Major League Baseball or the NFL or, uh, you know, CFL, whatever league it is, there are already kind of structured ad breaks that the league decides. Hey, the advertising breaks happen here. You know, if you've been to an NHL game, you know, all of a sudden the red light goes on in the penalty box. That means it's the TV timeout. Um, so there's already kind of a structure from the leagues for the most part of how much advertising time happens in game. But I think your point is right. Everything outside of the quote unquote in game is up for debate. I mean, TSN and Sportsnet are not under any obligation to have an intermission show, to be honest, right? Right. Doing the first and second intermission, if they wanted to, the game could end and it could run. I'm not sure how long an initial intermission is these days. I'd say 15 minutes, 18 minutes. 
18 yeah. minutes. So you could yeah. run 18 minutes of advertising. Like, I mean, you could, they would, they could do that if they wanted to. I think the league would be pretty upset with them. Uh, and I think obviously fans would be pretty pissed, but you could do that if you wanted to. I don't know if we're getting quite there, but we certainly are uh, steering away from, as you mentioned, how much shoulder content uh, is being produced by the big networks. Uh, they are really getting out of the business, in my opinion, mm-hmm. of non-game content. Uh, if you look at Sportsnet and TSN from 10 years ago to today, and if you look at ESPN and, and, and other networks in the U.S. as well, I mean, there used to be a lot more things like on TSN, the sports reporters, which was a Canadian version of the reporters. Yep. There was, um, you know, numerous shows like Michael Landsberg's show. There were, you know, Tim and Sid for a long time on Sportsnet and Tim and Friends. Um, there were so many of these kind of, you know, shoulder programming shows that were meant to inform people kind of that like news editorial type, you know, outside the lines esque type like what they mm-hmm. do in, in uh, ESPN. Those shows have all shut down outside the lines is done in, in the U S uh, yep. Brian Gumbel's HBO show announced yep. his final season. Yep. Uh, if you look at, you know, Sportsnet and TSN today outside of in-game broadcasts. Um, there is very little editorial going into TV. I mean, I have a hard time again, morning sports center or Sportsnet central loop is one thing, highlight packs, but again, beyond those two, it's generally non-existent. I mean, you syndicate radio shows overdrive is probably the top talk TV show on TSN and it's a radio show. It's not a TV show. Yeah. It, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought up, uh, outside the lines and, and real sports. Cause I, I put out a tweet a couple of days ago when they, those both got canceled at the same day. It was almost like the death of that lane of journalism in sports. You know, it, re- it really worries me because they did those shoulder programs, as you called them had a purpose and you know, it wasn't necessarily to draw eyeballs, but it was to draw attention. And now, I mean, you know, I, I think now about, you know, how important Rick Westhead is in this entire country. Cause outside of him, I, I, where, where is the reporting who's keeping sport accountable anymore? Um, and they've just kind of done away with it. I'm not sure we're better off without those programs. Yeah. I mean, if you look around Canada right now and you look in the traditional media, not to get too doom and gloom, cause I do think there is like an emergence of new media coming yeah, up yeah. that you yeah. know, we can get optimistic about, but you know, who are the sports reporters out there? There are very few um, employed reporters. I mean, I think of a handful at Post Media, and Post Media has had a lot of challenges financially, and they're not investing yeah. in more sports reporting. The Globe and Mail has generally only covered Canadian press or wire stories. There's the occasional, you know, opinion piece from Cathal Kelly, but not exactly a sports section. I mean, you look at the Star, which has kind of the most robust sports section, um, which is very, very thin. Uh, and then you go to the the TV networks, and as you mentioned, outside of Rick Westhead, there's very few people. There's no really no editorial page on Sportsnet's website anymore, neither no. TSNs. Um, and I think that very few of the people there would consider themselves sports journalists. I mean, I'm not sure who at TSN besides Rick Westhead would say that I'm a sports journalist. You have analysts, you have former players like a Jeff O'Neill or Jamie McLennan. Mm-hmm. You have hosts like James Duffy. You have Sports Center hosts like. You know, Lindsay Hamilton. There's lots of great hosts, but who else there considers themselves well, a journalist? And that's Sportsnet, Arash Madani. Perhaps, yeah, I was just I'm not sure who else. Yeah, you know, and 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 Arash and Rick aren't the same thing either. No, right? Really Arash not. is the last of the old school travels the world covers sports guys, and and Westhead's the last of the real good you know, investigative reporters. I think they have the likes of Dave Naylor and yeah. Chris Johnston and, and, and I, you know, and I guess an Elliot Friedman, but 
Freeman's more of an insider than a reporter, I would consider right? Chris Johnson an insider, like would an you? Elliot okay, or like a Frank okay. Saravelli. I mean, yeah. okay. are they? I don't know if they. The question is identification. Like, what would they call themselves? I don't think Elliot would call himself a journalist. No, although he has like kind of roots in journalism. Yeah, like a lot of like a lot of people on air. But the next crop certainly not. I mean, I think that that reporting is just no longer the the way that we we think about sports content creation. Um, and I think it's all goes back to like kind of this, you know, migration in terms of how we talk and think about sports. The, you know, the, the quote unquote fanalist is is now the the, the model, right? Mm-hmm. The, yep. the hyper, you know, kind of opinionated, open about who they root for, which you never used to do. Oh, God, type no. of on air personality. Yep. And then you have the straight play by play and color guys. Right. You yep. have that yep. kind of traditional stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, to your point. You know, when you look at what's on television with Sportsnet and TSN, um, outside of the broadcast, I don't think that they're investing or very interested in being in the conversation for sport um, outside of broadcasting games. I think that they know the money, the money is made in the games. Um, that's what people are there for. It's the only reason to really consume legacy media is for when it comes to sport, that is, uh, is to watch the broadcast of the games. I mean, Say what you will about streaming and second streams and the Manning cast and things like that. If you want to watch the Leaf game on Saturday night, you have to go to Sportsnet or CBC. You know, and if you want to watch the Oilers game, yep. you're going to have to have your TV package or a streaming version of it. And you're going to have to essentially watch TV for whatever that's worth. But everything else outside of watching the game is better served in another medium. I think between podcasts, blogs, social, Reddit, Discord channels, there's so many better ways to have all the auxiliary experience of being a sports fan Mm -hmm. um, that really TSN and Sportsnet, they're not in that business. That's just not what they do. Yeah. Let me ask, okay, let me ask you this one. Do you believe that I, I, and I I think you and I've had this conversation. I, I, you know, I think we've got off track with news and sports in the sense that we've tied ratings to it and we tied clicks to it. And we tied all of that, that if, if we took that part out of it and we just had, now we have news and sports really tailored for the individual, right? How do you want to hear it? How do you want to consume it? Should we look at, should there be some sort of government or state and I know I'm not talking about the CBC, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it, it, I'm really worried that if we don't have reporters covering sports and asking critical questions, that we're going to end up with more Hockey Canada scandals and more Soccer Canada scandals. And I just don't know where that comes from. And I don't see that responsibility being taken by the, the you know, by the big two. Um, do we need to look at, you know, local investing in local journalism and, and having those kind of projects propped up and taken out of um, having to survive on ratings and, and clicks. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I understand. So it's actually interesting conversation. I'll plug another show. David Please. Hurley yeah. Uh, yeah. has his uh, air quotes media is his media network. David Hurley, totally different, non-sports related yep. uh, political uh, network where, you know, Canadian politics shows they had a round table talking about bill C 18 and effect on mm-hmm. Canadian news and publishing. And this very question came up, you know, should there be some kind of government created, but not just supporting big corporations, which frankly has happened lots, right? The government sure has, has bailed out sure all the has. big guys in the past, yeah. but a government kind of created a press corps for politics in Canada. And should there just be like a baseline of uh, a press that we say, Hey, 
Ottawa needs to be covered or accountability doesn't happen and there's going to be corruption. The government needs to have an arm's length relationship with this, obviously, but not quite like the CBC, but something like that. There needs to be a mm-hmm. government funded. Does the same exist for sport? I mean, in their conversation, sport didn't come up, but I think no. it's a very, you know, for our purposes, because it's what you know, a lot of people will focus on. I think it's an interesting conversation. And I do think that there might be a role for that. I think we do a very bad job of supporting, you know, local uh, media in Canada. Uh, and when I mean media, I mean everything from, yeah. uh, again, like someone within a TikTok page to uh, post media to TSN to Bell. I think we do a bad job of supporting local. And I think the government could do a, a much better job of, of creating incentives for that. Now, getting away from the idea of ratings and clicks, this is where I think there's like been a little bit of a, a, a reckoning with, how the news business has always operated and you know going back to there i think that a lot of people are nostalgic for the good old days i don't know if there were good old days when it comes to traditional media there were newspapers that were making lots of money but if you actually peel back the onion a little bit you see that a lot of money they were making were because people were buying the sports section or because of classifieds and that not that many people were actually paying for journalism and you start stripping away some of these, you know, gener- uh, revenue generators from traditional media and traditional media was left alone. Sports media, same thing. I mean, as much as, you know, people like Rick Westhead and all the great reporting that happened in sport on television, how many people were, you know, subscribing to TSN or Sportsnet because they want to watch the game. They didn't care at all about the shoulder programming, but there was so much money going around that they could invest in, you know, this kind of altruistic journalist type attitude. I think, right. you know, today, like what, what is the business model? We'll, does someone want to pay for investigation? It's very difficult to draw the line. And I don't, you know, the athletic tried to do that. You look at the athletic yep. today. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's too bad. The athletic promised us, you know, this like phenomenal local journalism and it's going to be digital. It's going to be ad free, which I don't think really matters if it's ad free or not, but they didn't make that promise. There's advertising now. And if you go to the athletics page, there's maybe one story, about the blue Jays this last week, they're not covering it. And it's true for many other sports. Um, and, you know, their subscription prices down so much because they're having a hard time getting people to pay with it it's now bundled as part of the new york times so i don't know if there is a model out there where people want to pay for investigative journalism but we do know that people will pay and they'll pay more for you know the content we described earlier this kind of fanalist type content Uh, i I will pay for that and there is a business there so I, i think it's incumbent on the new media companies that that emerge anyone from you know listen the nation network that you're broadcast on today that you know mm-hmm. disclosure playmaker is the owner of and yep. um people like you know as bad as some people think about barstool sports people like barstool sports who are successful profitable new digital sports media companies that are playing in the kind of entertainment of sports business i think absolutely. it's coming on them to also be part of the journalism discourse i i, I absolutely i agree and and i think where we're going to end up here is in a conversation about media literacy mm-hmm. and, you know, do we teach media literacy in schools and by media literacy, it's, it's understanding that, you know, uh, you're the same way as I am. I'm sure whatever you see on, on Twitter, whatever you see on whatever you read, my mind goes immediately to, okay, where's the second, you know, where's the, the, I, I need to get, mm-hmm. I need this vetted. Right. I need to find another source. I, OK, this sounds too good to be true. Yeah, here it is. It's media literacy. And I think we live in a world that is media illiterate. They that people want to read what they want to read. We saw that during the pandemic. We, we live that. And I think there's an element of sports with that. But sports is entertainment. So that's OK. Um, Barstool sports is not my thing. Dan Patrick is my thing. That's OK. We have those options. What worries me is 
that we had significant damage done in our sports and our in, in our grassroots sports and in our in our NGOs, and it was only found out, only found out by reporting. And I don't know if 10 years from now, Adam, that reporting exists. And I, I'm not the old man, get off my lawn, don't look at your phone guy, but I do value that. And I, and I wonder where it could exist in, in this world. It, it's, I, I, I agree. I, I share your concern. I mean, I do think that it is a national embarrassment that pretty much every sports organization within Canada and every NSO is, is you know, ripe with corruption, right. Or, or mismanagement, if not right. corruption. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and who, who are the people holding them accountable is a question. Who's watching the watchers. Exactly. Right? Now I, again, I will, I will take an optimistic spin in that. I do mm-hmm. think that there are enormous media companies being birthed out of this and that there are, um, you know, t- TikTok in my mind didn't exist two years ago. Uh, now I bet you, if you went to a high school and asked people where they saw their sports highlights, their answer would be TikTok. I bet you that's where they got their sports. Agreed. I bet you that's Agreed. where they get a lot of news. I bet you that's Agreed. where they found out that, um, you know, that Josh Sanderson signed a big deal with the right. Senators. If you're in Ottawa, that's, the high school in Ottawa, that's probably yeah. the first place that they saw it. So, yep. Yep. you know, is there someone who's going to have an investigative journalism type of beat and business built off a social following there are people in the news space that are doing this right mm-hmm. so hard news in the u.s there are a number of examples i i hate to use tucker carlson as one because i don't think no, he's hard but, news or anything yeah, yeah but he left traditional media on yep. fox and he still has a voice and is doing interviews and is doing so independently and digitally there's nothing stopping from that continuing to happen now he's not really investigative and tucker carlson's got a lot of other issues going on yeah, so maybe yeah, the worst yeah, example yeah. you could use but the point is is that despite being taken out of the legacy media ecosystem he's able to continue doing what he does i think that there's opportunity for investigative journalism without the backing of a traditional media company i don't think you need to be uh you know have the national post or the tsn letterhead to investigate nso's and to ask hard questions and to find out what's going on with management of sport i i agree i guess the other thing i think it boils down to is is context and we need you know as much as yes we can adapt to the new formats but can we get context into the, the shorter, the smaller, the shrinking attention span, right? You mentioned TikTok. Nobody's going to watch a 10-minute TikTok, right? <laughs> well, it, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting point. I would say that no one's going to watch a 10-minute TikTok, but that the largest sports podcast in Quebec is a show called La Poche Blue with Maxime uh, yep. Lapierre and Guillaume okay. Latendresse, which, again, full disclosure, we added to our network recently, so I Very will cool. a little bit. Okay. Uh, if you go to YouTube and watch episode one of this season, their broadcast is four and a half hours on YouTube. The watch time. On oh, yeah. No, no, no. And, and trust me, given the opportunity, be, yeah. Jack and I would do four and a half hours here, too. Um, so, but the, but my point is, is that they do four and a half hours. Now, they yeah. love doing it, but they do it because their audience engages for that long. Yes. And you look at the biggest sports podcast in the world, something like part of my take. That is a multi-hour long show. So yeah. I I, uh, I push back with the attention span argument a little bit. I think that there's room for both. I think that the you know, kind of like TikTok, Instagram reels short hit is is part of the equation for younger, you know, audience members and younger sports fans and younger, you know, news consumers. Yeah. But I think they also have an appetite. There's a reason that podcasting is booming. Podcasting is the ultimate long form. Oh, and that's why I'm here. But I, but I, I do know that if the barn burner guys talk about who the captain of the Calgary Flames should be, and I talk about Bill Peters getting hired in Lethbridge, 
nobody's tuning in for four hours of me about the problems in hockey right now. And, and again, that's, it's those conversations. How do we have those important conversations? Um, the, the, the entertainment stuff, I get it. I endorse it. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. Like, um, uh, Oh, Ariel Halawani, like he yeah. was doing five hour podcasts. For, he's been doing them for years. Right. And, and he does a good, and he actually is a good example yeah. of a independent case study. I mean, niche with ufc was way early on the ufc trend yes Canadian guy so love yes. to plug a canadian who's, yep. who's crushing it internationally but i i mean i'll use this as an example that he toes the line between entertainment and also holding the ufc's feet to the fire he does, he does. He does hold people accountable. Everyone from Dana to fighters to, uh, you know, people being underpaid years ago in the UFC. Aaron Hwani is someone who does a really, really great job, I think, of – and people listen to him. People respect that he is someone who is, again, holding the sport and the management of, of MMA accountable. So, um, I mean, I would look at – let's use Rick Westhead as an example. Mm-hmm. I mean, if tomorrow TSN said, listen, we're just out of the news business entirely, Rick. We just can't – we you know, can't support you anymore. I don't think Rick Westhead would be much smaller um, in six months' time. I think he could go and continue to have a voice. I think he could continue to do all the investigation that he's doing. I think people would pay for it. He could use you know things from podcasts, things like Substack. Um, I think he could have people you know pay him directly for his his reporting. I think he would have an audience and also have as much impact. There's a chance he'd have more impact. There's a chance that, you know, we haven't seen him grow enough and that um, being part of TSN actually is a bit of a conflict for him. I mean, I would give TSN a ton of credit. They've really let him run with they have. Hockey Canada. They really but, have. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure that there's been some uncomfortable conversations between <laughs> Hockey Canada, TSN, yeah. and Rick about listen, we appreciate sure. the journalism, but you also are our largest broadcasting partner. Um, and we make a lot of money here on the World Junior Tournament. We make a lot of money promoting Hockey Canada. So uh, what do we do here? Well, I, I tell you what, you, you get the decision in this case because you, you've made me feel more optimistic about this because it was really easy to be pessimistic and go, well, it's all going away. But you pre, you, you've changed my mind because obviously the examples that you've given, Ariel, and you're right, I think Rick would do that. Um, yeah. and, and we need that. Like, we, we need that. We need to encourage that, right? I was really, I was really lack of a better word, proud of uh, Salim and, and, uh, and uh uh help me out jack who who was i pumping tires last week on from the athletic uh julian mckenzie sorry julian i'm McKenzie, old yeah. i'm old <laughs> those two guys did an incredible job at that lethbridge hurricanes press conference with bill peters like that yep. wasn't fanboy stuff that was good old-fashioned ask the hard questions and stuff like that so i know it's still there just, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of julian mckenzie i actually think he's a great example of someone i know he's in in calgary uh, with the athletic uh, he also co-hosts podcasts with CJ on the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah. He's a good example of someone who is who is younger, who is still growing as a sports journalist, sports media person. I think I, I would love to know what his thoughts are on uh, how he identifies. Does he see himself as a journalist? Because he, to me, feels like a great blend between um, you know traditional kind of you know old school hard hitting journalist and new media understands how to reach a younger audience understands the internet and and gets the kind of entertainment fandom piece of it as well i think he's had good mentorship hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I, I think you, whoever has mentored him has mentored him and given him the fundamentals for sure. Um, because he does, you're right. He does a great job co-hosting the podcast, but his, his work on the Bill Peters stuff and, and like I say, so him from TSN was good too. I don't want to, you know, pick one over the other, but you know, that gives me, you know, some uh, optimism and this conversation gives me some optimism that the platforms are there. We just, you know, we just might not be able to, uh, there's something about not having that Sunday paper, dude. I, I have not been the same since we've done away with a big thick Sunday paper where I can take three or four hours and I can see what movies are coming and I can see what's going on in the stock market and all that stuff. My world's changed. And, and that's habits. Habits are really hard to change. And, aren't I, they? and I think there are a lot of people who still feel the same way as you. I mean, I, I feel, you know, myself as okay. I, you know, I understand what's going on with media trends and I'm, you know, embracing the new media world but i have habits that i'm stuck with still that mm. um if they were to change i mean i we talk about podcasts as being new you know there's a lot of podcasts that i've listened to for close to 10 years now and yeah, i have that same cadence and yeah. if that podcast isn't published when i expect it to be it throws me <laughs> off and i, I expect know. it to be published yeah and that's that's my sunday paper and i i think of it that way so um you know there are definitely you know new things that i'm not exploring yet and that it takes a long time to change those habits. Love it. Um, let's shift gears. Uh, the other tweet that you put out on Tuesday was your mega, your three mega trends now that we start into the fall. Uh, and I, I definitely want to talk about all of them. Let, let's start with the first one, which was sports books promoting NFL uh, is going to lead to increased content and viewership. Okay. Yeah. So tell me, flesh this out for me a bit. Yeah. So, so, Mega trends to watch. This is really specific to the Canadian market. And okay. so let's talk about the NFL. Um, talking to sports books, I mean, this may not be a surprise to anyone, but it is by far the most wagered on sport. Mm -hmm. It's not even close. Even in Canada, where people say it's got to be hockey, not hockey, it's the NFL. It is. The NFL is uh, number one in Canada for every single sports book. It's the thing that they care the most about. Uh, we're in a major arms race right now in Canada as sports betting is being legalized. So people in Ontario know it's been legal for a year. People in the rest of the country have seen uh, way too many advertisements in between games about every single sports book under the sun. Last I checked, there's some 60 odd sports books operating in Canada right now. Uh, legally, a handful more still operating illegally. 
Um, we expect regulation to happen in Alberta in the next year, expect mm-hmm. BC in the next year and a half, uh, Quebec sometime in the next year, year and a half. So sp- legalized sports betting is not going anywhere. Um, the NFL, again, being that kind of straw that stirs the drink for uh, the apps, that's how they get people to place a wager, is the number one thing that they want to invest sponsorship dollars into. They want to create content around. So, yes, TSN, turn it on today. You're going to see Sports Center with Jay this morning. Long NFL segment with Luke Wilson talking about the lines for the game, but also just talking about that. That was partially editorial decision by TSN. They want to talk with the NFL. They know the NFL viewership's good. They make money on the NFL. Uh, but also, FanDuel, their biggest partner, is saying, listen, guys, uh, part of our deal here is that in the mornings, you're talking about the NFL lines. And then the afternoons on Overdrive, we're talking about the NFL lines. We're driving people into the sports book for games. So content is being created to drive people to these sports books uh, to place wagers, you know, a originally on the nfl then maybe you find a hockey line you find a tennis line you find a casino you do something on there but the nfl is that like hook for a lot of people in now we saw in the u.s um as legalization happened increase in viewership for games um and it it follows same thing kind of happened during the the fantasy sports boom people start watching games that don't have players or teams that they care about in Right. Thursday night football. I didn't, I don't care about Mahomes or the lions, but yep. I'm a bills fan. Let's say, but you know what? It's Travis Kelsey got injured. All of a sudden the line moved a little bit, might be worth placing a $20 bet down on the game. Now I got to watch my $20 bet. So the, the bet leads to viewership. The viewership leads to more investment from the media company saying, wow, people are watching this. We should create more NFL content. And this trend has already kind of come true a little bit. Sportsnet radio in Toronto launched an NFL show. They don't even have the NFL rights. They launched a radio NFL show. I think it's called The Gridiron. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's something that historically I don't think Sportsnet would really spend much time on. They historically have not spent a lot of time on the NFL because it's not something that they broadcast. Um, I've noticed this year they're spending a lot more time talking about NFL, partially because I know they have sports books that want to advertise with them that want NFL content, partially because they know that NFL is, you know, growing in viewership and important for them. So it's this really symbiotic relationship between sports books, tell media company, Go talk about the NFL because it's good for us. It drives people. Then people start watching more NFL because they're betting on it. NFL becomes bigger, so on and so forth. The, the cycle continues. So t- two things that, that kind of come out of that. One would be um, the decision last week, which is not necessarily directly connected. And I mentioned it. Would like your take on it by the province of Ontario that now says celebrities can't endorse yeah. um, the online gambling. Um are there hiccups coming? Are there hiccups in, in this? Is, is there something that we should be paying attention to when it comes to online sports wagering? I No, I actually think that this is, this is like a, a much needed correction that I think, f- frankly, you know, speaking to people who run these sports books yep. um, and speaking to people in the industry, everyone welcomes this regulation. I think it probably should have been there from the start, okay. uh, but we stumbled out of the gates a little bit in Ontario with our regulatory framework. Um, there's no there's no good reason for current athletes to be endorsing sports books mid game or at all. Right. Um, and I think everyone from the the current athletes, I think might be a little upset to lose a few dollars. Uh, but they don't frankly, I'm sure they'd love to not have the option. So then they don't need to turn down money or worry about the moral dilemma of it. 
sportsbooks are more than happy to not pay Connor McDavid or you know Nathan yeah. McKinnon a bunch of money. We can find other people to be in our advertisements, uh, and the leagues kind of get rid of the the question around you know the kind of the moral ambiguity of having you know gotcha. Mitch Marner or Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews promoting things. Yeah. I don't think that this is going to be a, a, as big a stumble, and we've already seen in, in the U.S. is already the case, right? So the NBA has already had very strict rules. Current players cannot endorse stores, sports books in the NBA. The only reason the NHL didn't have as clear rules is because there's so many European players in the NHL where sports betting be legal for a long time. The likes of Matt Sundin and other Swedish players, you know, were saying to the PA, listen, I, I'm being offered a lot of money back home in Sweden to go be an endorser for Leo Vegas or for, you know, what any number of European sports book. Sure. I should be able to do that. And the NHL allowed it because, you know, gambling was illegal in the U.S., but mm-hmm. it, it was not really their role to fight the PA on guys making money off the ice. So gotcha. I think – Retired athletes, celebrity, that's going to probably be written out of this regulation, to be honest. I don't think that the AGCO or any regulatory body should be telling a former athlete that they can't go have a secondary career. I think it creates a whole myriad of problems. Celebrity is a term that I think is impossible to define. <laughs> and I don't think the AGCO wants to get in the business of defining it. Um, you know, you can't tell a guy that played one game in the AHL. Is he a former NHL player? He got called up for a game, skated for a few minutes. Now he can't, you know, be on a podcast that's hosted by MGM. I don't think so. So that's probably going to go away as part of this regulation, but current athletes will stick around. The other part in the, the previous answer you were talking about was, you know, you're, you're not a, you know, a Lions fan or a Chiefs fan, but you know, you get brought into the game. I, I was under the impression that that was part of the NHL strategy that the in-game betting would uh, they felt might drive viewership too. That you know those Columbus games on a Tuesday night that you know we just happen to have on the network, sports wagering might actually help them. Have we seen that? Is that worked? Does that theory work? Yeah. So it's worked definitely. Uh, last year in the U.S there was an uptick in NFL ratings and people were attributing some of that to sports betting. The attribution on this is always a little bit, you know, harder to find. Um, But I think that very much that is the case. I do think that having another reason to watch same way we had with fantasy. I mean, fantasy was a thing that, and the leagues are always behind the eight ball on this. The leagues hated fantasy. They hated fantasy. Why are people cheering for players? They should be cheering for teams. The teams all hated fantasy until they found out, oh man, we can create all this content around fantasy. NFL network does a ton of fantasy stuff. NHL network now does a ton of fantasy stuff. They realize that people start tuning in because they wanted to see their fantasy player score. Sports betting is the same thing. They didn't want anything to do with sports betting. Oh, you know, it ruins the game. They're seeing now that it gives the people a reason to tune in. It's another storyline to think and talk about. And I suspect that we will see an uptick in, you know, what uh, not to bury Columbus. Columbus is always the freaking boy here. But the out of market Tuesday night non playoff team matchup. I think that those are the games where you will see an increase in interest, an increase in following, an increase in viewership, and, you know, an increase in importance for those games. Your second mega trend here in Canada, sports podcasts hit the mainstream with tier one sponsors shifting ad dollars. I, I think one of the my favorite tweets that you put out every week is the top uh, spenders in, in in radio advertising. I'm always fascinated, even today, by who's spending what. But you think some of that money is is going to transfer into the into the podcast world? Is is now pot transferring into the podcast world? Yeah. I'll, listen, Raul, I'll play a game with you for a second. Sure. In in, in Toronto. Um, you know, big, big market. There's, you know, in the greater Toronto area, there's a, a few million folks. 
uh, Numeris, which is the ratings organization, has the uh, all population of Toronto, the way that they define Toronto, as 6.5 million people. Yep. They, the way that the ratings work for radio is they use a sample. You know, your audience will probably know that they don't measure every single radio broadcast. They can't possibly do that. They don't know what you're listening to in your car or at home. What they do is they use a sample, same way like a political poll would, yep. uh, to you know extrapolate off that 6.5 million. Guess how many people are in Numeris's sample for 6.5 million Torontonians? Uh, 2,000. As of, this is a year old now, and there's been reports that the sample actually is, is shrunk since then, although I haven't been able to confirm a new number. But this time last year, 1,300 people Oof. were in. Now, no advertisement buy in the history of time has been against all people. People buy adults 18 to 24 people buy men 25 to 54 i want to reach you know yep. people that are in the market for a car so you look at adults 25 to 54 70 percent of all radio ad dollars in canada are bought against adults 25 54 it is essentially just means adults who have money they're not so old that they're in that kind of retirement age and they're already set with their brands these are people who need to buy their first car get their first mortgage get their first house this is like the the number one consumer they have young kids these are people who spend money adults 25 to 54 in in toronto the sample for that population is only 500 people. So Oof. 500 people are determining hundreds of millions of ad dollars in Toronto still. There's still, I don't know if we're hundreds still in Toronto. We might be 100 in Toronto now. But at a time, yeah. hundreds of millions in Toronto yeah, across sure. the country. Hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars, billions of dollars actually in advertising against a sample, Numeris's entire country sample for, for radio. And by the way, this is true for television as well. Less than 10,000 people across all of Canada for 40 million. So... You know, going back to my mega trend, it's been obvious for a long time that um, the same way Netflix is a better way to watch a television show on demand, a podcast is a better way to consume sports talk content. It just mm -hmm. is. Yep. It's delivered easier. It's coast to coast. And you actually know how many people listen to it. And not only do you know how many people downloaded it, you know how long they listen to, you know who they are, you have their social following. You can also reach them via a number of other ways. They may visit your website. So there's so many other ways to interact with a, a consumer on a podcast compared to traditional media. It is a no-brainer for advertisers to move there. Now, advertisers move really slow. It's probably been a no-brainer for five years, uh, but the advertising industry has slowly moved into podcast. Um, but the way these things usually go is very slowly and then all at once. And I think that this year, my kind of prediction for the year is we're going to have the all-at-once moment. Um, we have you know, too many eyeballs and too many listeners going to podcasts. We also have too many talented broadcasters leaving traditional media and going to broad uh, podcasting. We have too many producers, behind-the-scenes people leaving traditional media going there that one of these days, you know, Harvey's and McDonald's and Ford wake up, and this, is, again, is already happening, and say, I just cannot continue cutting those giant checks for the 500 person sample. I just can't do it. I got to find somewhere else. That's insane. Um, I wish number three was a little bit more positive uh, for friends of mine, but uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, you think that we're going to see more cuts uh, at TSN and Sportsnet? Yeah, and this is not like a fun prediction or trend to watch, no. but I, I do think that this is this is kind of a continued trend. Um, I, I don't, you know, by all accounts – on-air talent at both the broadcast companies have been told that they are, uh, you know, in their seats till the end of the year. That's what I've, I've heard kind of behind the scenes. 
they always say that. So I don't know. Take that with a grain of salt. No one tells you, oh, by the way, you're getting fired in six months, right? Everyone says, oh, don't well, worry. Well, Rogers, Rogers did that a couple years ago. Well, they they, yeah, they did, right? Yeah, but, they, yeah, which, I, which I've never understood why you do that. So, um, you know, I think that some of the cuts and a lot of the cuts will actually be, um, you know, the machine behind the machine. And a mm-hmm. lot of, I think, consumers don't realize that there are thousands of jobs to run radio stations, to run newsrooms, to run broadcasts. There are a lot of people from sales to design. Think about all the graphics that you see that keep a, a, a website or a TV station or a radio station running all day. There are so many of those jobs and automation has been the name of the game in all of those roles. And I think we'll continue to cut. Um, Sports and TSN are, you know, two cable channels within a larger bundle of cable for both these networks, which are owned by a larger telco Sportsnet being now part of the biggest Roger Shaw merger telco. It is no longer an important line item on their public reporting. What's going on with their TV station. TSN used to be something that in the bell earnings call, they could say, Oh, and TSN, you know, ripped us off another X hundreds of millions of dollars in profit this year. What an amazing asset that is. It is now a, hey, we're innovating, we're pivoting to digital. It's not a liability. Trust us. It's not a liability. So these sports networks have gone from really big assets to potential liabilities. And I think that the the you know kind of sharp pencils at both those companies will be looking for ways to uh, ensure that the bottom line, ensure that they're not money losing. You know, you cannot be losing money on those uh, or they'll just go away. The kind of the anti story or the, the, the flip side to that, I guess, would be the launch this week at 1440 in Edmonton that, you know, after all of these years of talking about cuts and everything, now we have one coming back into the marketplace, which is very interesting. Absolutely. And I've maintained that, you know, cuts are our result of the way Canada aggregated all of its media into four companies. Mm -hmm. And it's, we're, we're debundling it all. It's not pretty and it's never pretty when you debundle everything and no one can disrupt themselves, but there is as much demand as ever for sports talk content. So I think, listen, 1440 phenomenal example in Edmonton. It is an interesting model, right? It is a hybrid digital and video and podcast and radio. There are, you know, I just know from behind the scenes, it's a lot less of a corporate structure where, Hey, you're the talent you're on air. Here's your salary. You do this many shows a year for us. We pay you this. It is a true partnership between people who are on air, people who are behind the scenes, people who are selling ads, people who are consuming. It is a more modern approach to a media company. And you know what? Radio is a part of that. There's nothing wrong with having radio be part of the signal. I actually really love radio. I think there's a lot of great stuff for radio. I actually really love TV too. I just think that, you need to have this kind of holistic approach to distribution and media in order for it to work. You know, you saw with Sportsnet in Vancouver, Donnie and Dolly were let go from the Sportsnet station. They went out on their own. They got to deal with check. They're on air with check. They're now being syndicated back onto the radio station just a few years later, right? They still have their own show. They still do the TV, but they're back on the radio station. So there are so many different kind of optimistic stories happening. I mentioned the LaPosh Blue story. I mean, that's a company that Playmaker acquired earlier this year. Incredible company based in Quebec, Maxime and Guillaume. If it was 10 years ago that they had retired and wanted to get in media, TVA or RDS would have said, okay, you guys can do be on the panel for the Habs games and we'll pay you this and you guys are talent. 
Instead, yep. they said, forget that. We see what Barstool does with splitting chiclets, or we see what part of my take is like, or we see what the Nation Network is doing with Oilers Nation. We can do our own thing. So they did their own thing. They built a media company. They are now bigger than any of the sports radio shows in that market in Quebec. They are superstars there, and they distribute the show on YouTube. They also distribute it on Kojiko Radio across the province. They also do live events. They do so many different ways. But it's still sports talk content. At the end of the day, they're talking about who's going to be on the Habs second line. It truly is the same same stuff, but just a different de- uh, distribution mechanism and different incentives for the creators involved, where they are much more involved in every piece of building the audience, of maintaining the audience and growing it to you know the legacy media companies. And Rob, you know this. I do. It was impossible to know who was listening to your show. Even the ratings that did exist, even that 500-person sample, they never told the on-air talent, you know, what the ratings looked like or why the advertising deals were up or down that that day. You know, Bob McCowan to Brian Hayes to James Duthie, they weren't involved with going out and pitching Budweiser or Ford or being part of the program. They were just, hey, you're on-air talent. You worry about the talent. Let us worry about everything else. And I just don't think that works anymore. No, I don't. And I, I like your, uh, I like your terminology, modern approach, because I, I agree. I, I, I'm excited about what this could be and I'm hoping that it's, it's going to get, you know, I don't know what it needs to take. Maybe it needs to take the big two to get out of it and let the little, let the smaller radio stations uh, take that and, and yeah. run with it. Uh, it I, just, I think it, I think it requires Rob, just more people like everyone at 1440. And it was a joint partnership between a number of different you know people. I think it's people like what Adam Wilde and Steve Dangle have done in Toronto. Both of them have left their full-time media jobs to do their podcast network on their own. And I, I will tell you that they are not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. They're doing it because they think that this is how they're going to grow their audience. Yep. And that there's revenue attached to it. I mean, it Absolutely. needs to be a viable business. And I do think that there's a lot of people who think that there is a viable business to be had on the internet, digitally distributed, and across Canada. You do not need to be part of a larger media co. You can do it yourself. I love this. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, the best part for me is I always learn something, and, and it always tests my theories, and I like that. I like my te- theories to be tested, and, and today I'm, I'm happy to be wrong about stuff. So that was that awesome, Adam. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, again, one of the must-follows for me on on social because, uh, again, I, I, I'm always fascinated by who's buying radio. Um, you know. <laughs> I will I will keep you posted on who is buying radio. And the last thing I, I will say before I jump off mm. here is that I wanted just to plug uh, plug uh, Gregory Strong story. Canadian Press uh, can, got got the uh, Rogers on record saying that they are not going to be sending the Jays broadcast yes. on the road for the radio. I just wanted yeah. to kind of give a shout out. Great reporting there by Gregory, and uh, I, I I think frankly it's it's a bit of an embarrassment. I mean, it's, it's a not, complete it's, embarrassment. It, it, it is. It's, 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 as much as we say that radio is dying and the sample size is small and all that kind of stuff, you communicate to your players, to your fans, to everyone that the team is not a big league team and that it's not important to you to have a quality product on the air. I agree. And this would never happen if the team was not owned by the same company that broadcasts the games. I agree. It's just that easy. If, I, if, if, if a private individual owned the game, you'd say, sorry guys, we have a radio broadcast deal. The deal says you got to send the guys on the road. And if you won't do it, I'm going to go take it to the competitor radio station. And that doesn't happen when you're vertically integrated. So, nope. um, Anyways, it's a real shame for Jays fans, and, and hopefully over the next couple of weeks they have something to cheer for, and we're going to lament not having Ben Wagner on the road because they're going to be winning so many games. That is Well, that's a hope. That's a hope. As a former Expos fan, that's a hope. That's all I would say. That's a hope. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate this. All right. Thanks, Rob.
Adam Seaborn, everybody, uh, sports media analyst and the head of partnerships at Playmaker Capital. Uh, and Playmaker Capital owns the Nation Network, which we are proud, proud to be on. Of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 77 years. Can you believe it? 77 years uh, in Calgary. Uh, They're back open, three locations right now McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, Bow Ridge Road Northwest. Go in, check them out. Um, the snow's not coming yet but it's coming and you want to be ready. And when you are, I mean, it's going to happen there first. It's going to snow in the mountains before it snows on us. So we got that going for us. Check them out online. Ski seller, snowboard.com ski seller, snowboard. Um, Jack, do we want to, do we have some questions in the comments? I, I didn't see it today, but you, have you been watching? Yeah, we've got a couple questions. I actually have a question myself, please. Um, so in the radio business, yes, that was a very interesting conversation between you guys. How did you guys pitch to sponsors? What what numbers were you getting? How did you get those numbers? Well, we got the numbers from, you know, Numeris or uh, the, I'm not sure. Again, he's right. Like they didn't spend a lot of time with us, the on-air talent and talk about it. But people meters were another thing. So it used to be, just to give you a little history, it used to be, um, you know, ratings in the past, they they mail you a book. And you were asked to write into the book what you were listening or watching in half hour increments. Then something called the people meter came and the people meter was something that you wore on your, uh, your, your, um, belt and you walked around with it and it just picked up the thing. So lots of different ways of measuring it. Um, particularly sports radio was always males. We always, they always sell males. Um, they always sold, uh, you know, on peaks and things like that. Um, always discounted the summer book. Um, always looked at the, the fall book and the winter books as being the, the important books. Um, that's when hockey was on. That's when things were, um, you know, uh, th things were at their best. Um, you know, it, it's funny. And, and, uh, I, I get into this about the rebuilds, you, you know, how all the time I'm kind of down on rebuilds. Mm -hmm. Part of that is because every business, every part of this business that I've been into always does better with the team in the playoffs. Regardless of whether they win or lose, but if they're in the playoffs, things spike, things go up, and then you can sell on those numbers. So um, the, the the story that I loved the most was um, during the 2004 run when Calgary went to the Stanley Cup final, um, we had a, a, a car dealership, and we were asking the car dealership to uh, check the radios as they were coming in to get fixed. And we were 75% of vehicles were tuned to, to the radio station. So, yeah, it, um, you know, it, towards the end of my radio career, we were going, we were starting to go out with salespeople. And I always would. I had no problem, um, you know, I, but I think part of it, too, is they, they did want to protect us from the kind of the business part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a different world today. It is a completely different world today. Does that answer your question? Yeah, 100%. Okay. We'll move on to the first question here from Walshy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Labor Day Classic being played in the smoke? <clears throat> and will the Stamps win? This Whoa. Week? So thanks. I like that question. Um, why did you bother setting uh, a level if you weren't prepared to live with it? So I don't know if everybody knows this, but whatever the air quality was, the game was supposed to be postponed at seven. And I believe the air quality was nine. And so they played the game. Uh, they got the game in, and then this week they have agreed that an independent, um, not an arbitrator, but an independent group will measure the uh, smoke quality. Um, 
the air quality. You know what? I, I'm again, if you set a rule, you set a rule. How how difficult it would have been to move the game to Tuesday or do whatever or, or scheduling, I, I get it, but that's a health and safety thing. And, um, you know, it's difficult when you're asking fans. It's still a gate-driven league. When you're asking fans to come out in, un, in difficult conditions, I, it was wet that day too. I don't think it rained during the game, but it was wet that day. Um, yeah, I, I, the, the CFL's had a really, I don't know about you, Jack, but the credibility of the league has taken some real body blows, the stats, you know, not being updated and then the health and safety thing like this, um, you always get into the credibility of the league when you get into uh, player punishment and thing like things like that. But his, his point is a, is a good, what was the second part of that question? Well, too good? well the stamps, I actually wanted to bring up, like, that was so interesting that I found that in Canada, the highest bid on sport is the NFL. You were shocked by that? Yeah. Oh, I'm not. It I is. Mean, it's, it's a lot of things, but it's, it, it's, it's the perfect formula of it's a, an event every week. Yeah. You know, the, the stars are the stars. There's lots of information. We have access because of these things and our phones to all kinds of information on it. Um, I, I just, it's long traditionally been a, I think the, the backbone of, of the sports gambling industry, even when it was illegal. So no, that didn't surprise me at all. Um, the hockey one, uh, you know, I think pro line and, and, and that kind of gave us that f false sense because pro I think hockey was always big for pro line, but, um, you know, I, I anticipated second in the country, but no, I'm not surprised, but you're surprised it was an NFL, eh? Yeah. I, you thought hockey ahead of it? I definitely thought hockey, yeah. There's just more games. But like you said, I guess the NFL, it, it is an event, and all, all my friends are doing it. Fantasy, betting on the weekend is just something to look forward to. So I think – Oh, I, it's the it's the great um, – it's the great – it's funny. We were talking to uh, Adam about, you know, investigative journalism. The, the NFL really went through the, the – I believe it was the Ray Rice and, and then the concussions and then – you know, there's this, you know, all these articles being written on the health and the safety of the game and the game really seemed kind of under fire. And mm -hmm. that's where that term, you know, if you invented it today, it'd be illegal. That that's where that idea came from. And then bloop, like fantasy blew up because of, uh, because of the internet, I think, and the access to it. And then sports gambling, I, I go back to 2018. I remember when that announcement was made and I remember coming on the radio going, this is a freaking game changer. Like our worlds are about to change. And I know people were like, what do you mean? And I, I think in the five years or whatever it's been since that decision was made, the world has changed. It's, um, it, it's just the valuation on the teams, the, I mean, it's incredible. And uh, to the point like, you know, that Adam made, uh, do I like Detroit? Nope. Uh, do I like Kansas city? Nope. But Kelsey's out and Jones isn't playing. Geez, that moves the line. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I'm interested. And if I got money on it, I'm going to watch it. It's uh, I know the CFL would love to mimic it. I think the NHL would love to mimic it. I think baseball would love to mimic. I just don't know how you do. Yeah, I just I don't think it's possible. I think the like the players carry that league. Like you're so invested in every single player, and, and it's through fantasy, it's through betting. You know, most people can't name players on the Calgary Flames. You know all these NFL stars. Yes, I I, I 
I think, and again, this gets into a whole different conversation, but we just assumed that everybody was going to, you know, grow up as a hockey fan in this country. And I think if not for the internet and if not for the access to this information, they would have, but Mm -hmm. now, you know, it's, it's glossy, it's glitzy, it's Hollywood really of the sports. It's Hollywood, right? You know, it, it, it has that feel. The CFL's earthy. It's us. It, it feels like us. It's a working man sport. The NHL is a, 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 you know, it's a good sport. It's a great sport, but it's a Canadian sport. But the NFL, no, the NFL just feels like Hollywood to me. And but, and what was, sorry, the, the last yeah, part of his question. Part was, was, yeah. Do you think the Stamps will, um, they play the Eskimos. They play the Eskimos tomorrow up in Edmonton. Edmonton's finally won at home after four years of not winning. Um, I hope so. Um I just, I don't know how I can go. Well, they've solved everything. Um, you know, watching the first half of that game against Labor Day, it's like they just cannot score. Now the second half, they found a way to find the end, of the you know, the end zone. And Edmonton only has two wins on the season. Um, they can. Um, I'm, not, I'm not. If we were, if, if you're asking me if I'm going to wager on that game, no, I'm not taking them. Um, they can win it for sure, but. I, they have done nothing to give me confidence that they can string two games back to back, win this game. And then the next one is going to be a different result for me. Another thing I wanted to bring up. Um, yeah. I haven't watched a CFL game in years. Mm-hmm. Trey Ford had me watching football when the stamps played last week. It's always, it, that's the missing ingredient for the CFL is when it was at its height, when it's at its popularity, there are characters, there are people uh, my experience in this city was when it was at its height, when it was his popularity, Henry Burris was always on the radio. Nick Lewis was always on the radio. Um, there was space for them. There was places for them. But, you know, like Adam said, it, it, there's more people that want to listen to fantasy football now that want to hear about it. But you need to find a way to get a Trey Ford in front of people. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you, if you see him, then you go, yeah, I can. And that you know, that was the beauty of, I thought of Henry Burris and of Nick Lewis and Jermaine Copeland and all of those guys for a period of time there, they were everywhere. They did everything. They never said no. They were always on the radio. They elevated the profile of the sport. Um, I contend, and I could be proven wrong that, you know, when Huffnagel came in, you know, it, they, they weren't as readily available anymore and, and things changed. And I'm not blaming John Huffnagel for that. I'm just saying that, you know, Huffnagel came in and he made some changes and, you know, the, the players weren't just as, you know, free to be on the air and, and those types of things as they were in the past. That's, you know, um, but that's not an Edmonton thing or a Winnipeg thing or a Saskatchewan thing. I think the same thing, you know, I think people in Winnipeg right now probably know that team really good, right? They know who those players are. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. A guy like Trey Ford is, but he, he has to now be everywhere. Like you got to be talking about him all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Next question here. Who do you think should pick the captain of the flames, the coaches, players, Conroy's fans? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A a fan poll. Um, I, I think your leader, I think you have a leadership group, whether you know it or not. I think you have guys, Chris Tanev steps to mind, uh, Backlund steps to mind, Uyghur steps to mind. I think there's guys that regardless of whether or not they were wearing the C, um, I think that the coaching staff will know who they are. I think the general manager has been the captain of this team. His assistant has been the captain of this team. Um, I, I think you come together as a group. Um, 
you know, and I think part of it though, is what is the coach and what is the general manager want the captain to do? We had Brett Sutter on last week and Brett's been a coach in so many different locations. And, you know, what's the role of the captain here? Is the role of the captain, you know, if you're going to be a young team, is the role of the captain to integrate them into the lineup and teach them the way and this is how we carry ourselves? Um, is the is the captain on this team need to be the voice of the players to the to the coach? Um, you know, Mike, Mike Keenan famously um, went to Owen Nolan when he was briefly here in Calgary to see if the team should practice or not. That's who he was comfortable with. That's the voice that he chose. Um, so I, 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 I don't, I don't want to cop out here. I, I, the, the one group I would take out is no, that won't be the fans, but I think your veteran players, your, your, your leaders in that locker room, your coach, your coach and your, and your general manager have all got to come together and, and figure out what that role is going to be, what they want from that role and then who best serves that role. I agree. Okay. Last one here. Sure. Do you have a Super Bowl pick or is it too early? Do I have a Super Bowl pick? Yeah. Um, no, it's not too early. This is what I, I, I've always hated the prediction and we had to do them one time where you had to write them out and they had to go in the paper and all that stuff. Um, I just, uh, I hate making predictions, but I don't mind with the NFL cause I don't have a horse in the race. Um, Joe Burrow got paid yesterday. Joe, Joe Burrow got paid yesterday. Becomes the highest paid player in the NFL. Um, I admit I've really enjoyed watching Joe Burrow the last couple of years uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, he's he's relatable. Um, uh, you know, I I just like the way that he he plays and carries himself. Um, you know, I guess if I had to go out on a limb, I'll, I'll take I'll take Cincinnati. I think they've been knocking on the door. Um, I don't think they're your um, I don't think they're your odds-on favorite. I don't think they're your top favorite, but. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Cincinnati. Who do you like? I think I'm going to go Philly here. I just, yeah, I just I I could be convinced. The NFC just seems a lot more open. Like you look at the AFC, the Jets, the yeah. Bengals, the Ravens, the Chiefs. Well, the Jets have to prove it. Yeah, they do. But the, the Jets have to prove it. But I, yeah, but I uh, but I agree. The team that lost last night is still going to be a good team once they get their players back. Right? Yeah, They're going to be a really 100%. good team. And you and I both know this is an injury league, and by that, you know if Joe Burrow gets carted off after game one, you know, that there you go. Um, but if I'm picking preseason, let, let's go with the Bengals. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. All right. That is it. Um, before we leave NFL, can we show that little clip? Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is both the most exciting and scariest thing I have ever seen. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about technology and we talked about, you know, the things that need to be in new buildings and stuff like that. Uh, front office news had this one on their, on their site today. Um, so if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you can take this tour and then you get to meet, um, an, uh, AI version of Jerry Jones. So this is, this is fans meeting, uh, not the real, but it sure seems real Jerry Jones. And I headed back to Dallas, and within a matter of weeks, I'd bought the Dallas Cowboys. Why did you choose AT&T to be your naming rights partner? The reason AT&T Stadium is AT&T Stadium is because, to me, AT&T was like saying America. And I wanted our Dallas Cowboys, America's team, to be associated with Alexander Graham Bell and AT&T. Yeah. 
So that's not Jerry Jones. That's his AI counterpart. Um, so does that mean no more, like, so the fans won't ever get real owners anymore? Now they're only going to get the AI version of the owners? Like, that, that, it's cool. Like, technology's flawless, Jack. Scares the hell out of me. Yeah, it's scary. Uh, Red actually brought up something really interesting the other day. He was like, what if we could a like have AI voices like Peter Marr AI he calls the Flames games on the radio? Yep. Like, that will be insane. Yep. I think video games will probably dive into that a little bit where you yep. can have different announcers for different games instead of just the two guys that they have every year. Uh, I thought but, that would that But would that's cool. that that's that whole strike with the writers right now. Yeah. Is is that's what they've been saying is that the technology's to a point now where we're really close to bringing John Wayne back yeah. or, or whatever, who owns his voice, who owns his rights to his voice. Um, your, your, your example is a good one. And, and um, you know, I'm watching that going, do teams think it's good enough if they just have an AI version? Like here's an AI version of the coach, AI version of the general manager, AI version of the owner, go talk to him. Like, uh, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, last mile, final mile before we go here. Uh, congratulations to two friends of the program. We'll start first. Uh, U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer, Brian Burke. Brian Burke, uh, I'm a little surprised, to be perfectly honest, that he's not in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. He is a Stanley Cup champion with his time in Anaheim. Uh, he has also uh, worked on Olympic teams and, and won medals in, in Olympics programs, um, is now working with the players of the Professional Women's Hockey Association, uh, former uh, senior advisor here, and uh, still to this day puts his name on the uh, targets for kids for kids sport. Um, truly, uh, what you see is what you get when it comes to Brian Burke. And uh, so happy for Berkey uh, to get that recognition by the United States Hockey Hall of Fame. And how about this? Not what I was expecting, but man, does this make sense on so many levels. Uh, the Calgary Flames announcing some new additions to hockey operations. I'll draw your attention to the middle. Peter Labardius, reserve list scout. Lubo, who was on this show uh, not that long ago, uh, has been added to Craig Conroy's staff. So the reserve list scout, uh, the reserve list of the players that you've drafted that are on your list. So he will be scouting the players that, that, and keeping track of the players that the Flames have drafted. But I would also imagine that he'd probably be paying attention to other people's reserve lists as well. But don't, don't think that this is some sort of charitable, oh, isn't that cute kind of thing. Uh, Lou's worked as a scout before, worked for the Red Deer Rebels as a scout before. But anybody who spent any time with Lou in an arena knows that the hockey people come and talk to him that he is trusted for his ability to evaluate talent. He's earned that as a broadcaster. He's earned that with his enthusiasm for uh, junior hockey and going to those buildings and being in those buildings and knowing the people that he knows. So this is not a, a token piece that Craig Conroy has done here. This is a hell of a pickup, and I'm really excited for Lou. Texted him today, congratulated him. Um, I just think it's it's fantastic. So um, maybe next show what we'll do is we'll try and come up with jobs for other people in the media. I don't know. Um, anyway, I'm just so proud of my pal, Lou, and uh, I know he's going to do a great job. We're back on Monday. Uh, guest to be determined. Uh, same thing next Friday, guess to be determined. Uh, but Wednesday's show, back to three days a week starting in October. Uh, Barn Burner is back full on. 
beginning on, or uh, not beginning, but Monday through Friday uh, as well, live from the 55. I mean, we got a lot going on here and, and Jack's right at the helm of it. So thanks to him. Thanks to you. Thanks to Adam Seaborn, our guest. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. two sides to 